For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The top four quarterbacks for week eight of fantasy football are right here. Lamar Jackson against the Arizona Cardinals, Josh Allen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jalen Hurts against the Washington Commanders, and Patrick Mahomes at the Denver Broncos. Hayden Winks, these are in your rankings. Those are in the description down below. Break down each of these individually for me quickly. The Cardinals are the 29th worst uh, defense against fantasy quarterbacks. <laughs> the uh, Bucks are playing the Bills. They're the 22nd worst defense. Jalen Hurts plays the, e, uh, the plays the Commanders. They're 31st against fantasy quarterbacks. And then Patrick Mahomes plays the Broncos. They're 30th. So, I mean, all the superstar quarterbacks have great matchups. Their team totals are all really high on the week. So this is a great week to have one of these elite studs. And as we continue to discuss the misses in round two and round three from fantasy football drafts this August and September, it just becomes so clear how it was probably the right decision, as we suggested, to take one of these elite quarterbacks in round two and round three. And this week should be another reason for that. I just have a couple of notes I brought to the table, Hayden, if you will okay. allow me a few moments. Um, every quarterback except for Matthew Stafford has scored more fancy points against the Arizona Cardinals. They were averaging entering the matchup. So that should be great for Lamar Jackson, even though last week we already had an awesome performance from Lamar Jackson. Uh, for Josh Allen against Tampa Bay, this one is actually on my radar a little bit. Okay. And I'm not nervous about it, but I think there might be some curveballs thrown in that might not equal a number two overall quarterback week. Um, Buffalo has not scored a touchdown on 11 first half possessions in the past two weeks after scoring a touchdown on 10 of 28 prior. Um, and the Buccaneers have forced a turnover on a league high 20.6% of opponents drives. So again, no matter what, there can be a game where Josh Allen like runs hot, but I do feel like this Bucks matchup where they have their strengths could be the downfall a little bit of Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills too at times. Betting markets don't agree with that because they're projected for 26 points, but that's not a surprise. And also, we're catching the Bucks on a short week going up we are. to Buffalo, so I think those things are helping him out. Tampa Bay games are averaging a league-low 34.5 combined points as well. I know this is at home in Buffalo, mm -hmm. so that can change things too. Just, just some thoughts, okay? Uh, Jalen Hurts against the Washington Commanders. He had a season low in rushing yards uh, last week, but Washington has allowed top 10 scores in six straight games. Uh, that also includes Desmond Ritter and Tyrod Taylor. And I would say that Jalen Hurts is slightly better than those two players. A little bit. Uh, and then finally, with Patrick Mahomes. They just played the Denver Broncos just two games ago, and he was just the quarterback seven in that week. Did attempt 40 passes, 306 yards, and just one touchdown. So we could easily see that one touchdown morph into three touchdowns or four touchdowns mm -hmm. like we got for Patrick Mahomes last week too. Really just depends if the Broncos are going to be able to score any points on the <laughs> defense to make this actually a game. Okay, here we go. Now to Tier 2. We kick that one off with Justin Herbert against the Chicago Bears. I mean, Hayden, high team total, big spread. 
This is coming off a week where Justin Herbert closed the week as quarterback 21, which is, I believe, his first time finishing outside the top 10 quarterbacks in scoring this season. The last couple of weeks, I've ranked him lower and I've gotten feedback. Why are you ranking him so low? I think it's been matchups, but also the finger injury. We've had injuries, obviously, to Big Mike and Corey Lindsley. Those two aren't coming back, but I do think the he looked a little bit better last week on tape than he did the previous week. But really, this just comes down to the team totals are elite for Justin Herbert and company. Only the Dolphins are projected for more points than the Chargers this week. The Chicago Bears uh, have been a little bit better on defense, but still not anything fearful to me. So I think it's a get-right spot of epic proportions for Justin Herbert. He's flashed elite ceilings. Uh, Will he have the skill group to get it done? Just something to monitor Gerald Everett and Josh Palmer. They didn't practice on Wednesdays, probably just rest days for those two, but something to keep in mind. And I think two of his last three games have been against the chiefs as well. If my memory serves correctly. And we talk about that chiefs defense every single week. So again, that factors into it all. Okay. Your quarterback six, that is Tua Tungavailoa against the New England Patriots. Another large team total at 28 and a quarter. Another big spread at nine and a half for this team. Uh, I will say we've gotten like ping pong weeks yep. for Tua this year. Quarterback one, then quarterback 26. Quarterback two overall, then quarterback 18. Then we got quarterback 13 up to quarterback two, and then a quarterback 22. Because he gives no rushing promise at all, it's based on if the team is rushing for touchdowns or passing for touchdowns. And the quality of the defense they're facing yes. as well has played into that. At least with this game, he's back at home. Uh, the Patriots defense, I have still a lot of respect for because Bill Belichick is still good at coaching that side of the ball. But they're missing so many key starters on the defense. Tyreek Hill missed practice on Wednesday. It seems like he was ready to go on Thursday. This assumes that he's ready. Jalen Waddle dealing with that back injury assumes that he's ready to go here. Same thing with Raheem Mostert. Tua is without his left tackle. That's also been kind of playing into these splits possibly a little bit. And that was the case, at least dating back to last year as well. But I'm on the side of the betting markets, highest team total on the week. Obviously, we're going to always be flipping coins on who's scoring the touchdown. Is it Raheem right. Mostert and Jeff Wilson and Devon Aitchie and all those guys? Or is it Tua on the backs of Tyreek Hill and Waddle? I think that it's a good spot for Tua to get back into the win column. Tua has never finished higher than quarterback 15 against the Patriots defense, which that obviously includes week mm -hmm. two from this year. Rich Rebar pointed that out. And I think the simple answer is that the Patriots play more zone versus Miami than they do anyone else. And Tua has just been, he's been great all around, but he's been worse against zone than he has been torching man coverage this year. And in that first matchup, they did have Christian Gonzalez actually playing press man coverage against Tyreek Hill on a couple snaps. And Gonzalez was holding up in his side of the bargain. Of course, Gonzalez is now out for the season. There's no replacement of his size speed. Um, so that's going to be kind of the differences to me. I thought Bill Belichick did a good job of slowing down some of the motion stuff, but ultimately talent matters. And right now Miami's got more of it. Jared Goff is your quarterback seven, 26 and three quarters points. The lines are projected for against the Raiders, eight point favorites here. Uh, Again, they're at home. The Lions have played three games at home this year, and Goff has scored 23 fantasy points, 18 fantasy points, and 27.4 fantasy points. That's what I was going to bring up here. Back at home, indoors, uh, and the Raiders defense, they have Max Crosby, who I love, but even with him, just 20th in sack rate, 26th in passing EPA allowed here. So with the 
Lions secondary injured. Their defensive line was getting home against worse offensive lines. I don't think that the Lions have a great defense. So I do think that we're going to see a little bit more of a shootout appeal if the Mm -hmm. Raiders could actually keep pace here. But um, I just think that the Lions were showcasing a really strong unit on defense earlier. I don't think that's going to be sticky moving forward. And Jared Goff's home road splits have been awesome uh, for years. Yeah, even with Max Crosby, the Raiders are still 27th in the league in terms of pressure rate. Uh, That's at like 30.7%. And we know that Jared Goff, previous in his history um, is has the steepest drop off between success when kept clean versus pressure. He's better at it this year versus pressure than any season before. But if he's not even pressure in this game, then we know what can happen. And Ben Johnson can dial it up. Yeah. My last note was without David Montgomery, I'm curious to see if the lions are going to be a little bit more willing to pass the ball in the red zone. They're uh, 30th in pass rate. Once they get inside the 10 yard line, typically that's been with Jamal Williams this year, David Montgomery, I'm not sure if they're going to bang Jameer Gibbs between the tackles in that situation at the same rate as they would. So maybe some of these touchdowns could go into Jared Goff, Sam Laporta, Monrod, those type of guys. Before we continue, as you know, our goal is to hit 100,000 subscribers. The only way that that can happen is if you, the person that are watching this, takes three seconds and hits that subscribe button. That's how this entire thing works. So we appreciate you watching and tuning in and sharing with your entire league or not, because you want to keep us to yourself. How rude of you, but just hit that subscribe button. Most importantly, I promise you guys will want to see my Halloween costume next Tuesday. Next week. I just need to purchase one. I might just show up in like a bathrobe and that's it. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, hopefully with something underneath it. <laughs> Dak Prescott. Well, you can only see like the, the waist up from here, right? Still want something underneath it. <laughs> Dak Prescott is your quarterback eight. This is against the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, again, big team total 26 big spread. Six and a half. I will say the Cowboys are 30th in touchdown rate per drive in the second half of games this year. Obviously, a huge part of that is that they did not play a normal game until like October 16th Mm -hmm. of this year. But still, uh, that stat stood out to me to go along with their lack of red zone touchdown success where they're like 28th in the league. That's been the big point that I was going to be driving home here. 39% of their red zone drives ended in a touchdown last year. That was 71st. That should even out somewhere in the middle. And that's been a big difference between Dak Prescott getting home and not this week. Cowboys project for the seventh most points on the week. And they're coming off their bye week. So you hopefully some of these little concerns that we've had with this offense, they will be able to iron that out. And in the week before the bye week, they at least did have their starting five linemen back in the lineup. The first four weeks of, of the season, left tackle, center, guards, all of them were kind of moving around. Things are a little bit more back to normal here. And even with Aaron Donald, the Rams are still only 28th in sack rate. So Dak Prescott, when he has time, can really kind of dice up uh, defenses. And there's a lot of inexperienced players playing in the secondary for the Rams right now. So I think this should be a get-right spot. If it doesn't happen here, Josh, this is the matchup at home, off the bye, health, healthy everywhere, where you have to really start panicking about the Dallas offense and where they are versus the elite quarterbacks because we will not get Dak Prescott's rushing to return again. And yep. that's been the big difference between him trying to keep pace with somebody like the Josh Allen Lamar category, and now he's completely abandoned from that conversation. Yeah, so before the bye, he did score 24.9 points. That put him as the quarterback one. Uh, and that I believe 
according to Reeves' worksheet, was his only game so far this year as a top 12 scorer. And so he went all the way to quarterback one. And it's because he had four design carries. Um, yes, the Rams have allowed a league high 6.1 rushing points per game to opposing quarterbacks. So maybe Mike McCarthy is listening and tries to get mobile Dak Prescott back a little bit, even though we haven't seen that now for like two and a half years outside of the game before the bye week. So we're on the same page there. We're on the same page. CJ Stroud with his highest ranking of the season as your quarterback nine against someone else's Carolina Panthers. Um, Carolina, just to put like a stat to how different these offenses are with both have rookie quarterbacks. Carolina is averaging 4.5 yards per passing play. That's 30th in the league. And Houston's is averaging 6.8 yards per passing play, which is sixth best in the NFL. That was my note as well. Six in passing EPA for CJ Stroud, which is insane stuff. And what's crazy about that is in the red zone, the Texans are 27th in converting that to touchdowns. And still, they're still averaging the six best passing EPA. That's bonkers. Yeah, I mean, a huge part of that is they can't block anyone in terms of rushing touchdowns. And we outlined that with Damian Pierce and all that stuff. But we are hoping for a big Damian Pierce week and a big CJ Stroud week this week. Well, and on the flip side, why they're so good. And I think the sticky part is how well you're playing between the 20s. The red zone stuff gets kind of out of whack. Um, If they get that red zone stuff corrected, to me, what makes this offense so fun to watch is CJ Stroud is leading the NFL in middle targets per game, middle target rate on top of that, deep middle throws, the most valuable throws in the NFL. It requires a good player like Nico Collins to work over the middle. Same thing with Tank Dell on occasion. But also C.J. Stroud to pass that S2 test and throw the ball downfield and really get it done. And I think now with both offensive tackles probably getting as close as they can to full health after missing the first part of the, the season, Coming out of this bye week, I can't wait to see what post-bye rookie bump C.J. Stroud looks like because to me, he's already in that Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins kind of conversation as a fringe top 10 NFL player uh, already, and we're only through, what, six weeks of his career. Yeah, from a clean pocket, Stroud has been amazing this year. He's thrown for nine touchdown passes, uh, and we know the Panthers are dead last in pressure rate. So great news for C.J. Stroud. Mm -hmm. Trevor Lawrence is your quarterback 10. We recorded before last week's Thursday Night Football, and I was like, oh, he's not going to run very much because of this knee issue. Uh, he goes out there and has a career-high 59 rushing yards. Right. Um, <laughs> well, what happened on that, I think they yeah. were playing a lot of man coverage. Right. Well, the Saints usually do that, but maybe more so because they didn't think that Trevor was going to be able to actually escape. And then once he finally saw that, he had, like, yards of yeah. running. That just – that's just doing fantasy football analysis. Crazy. Th- yeah. This Pittsburgh Steelers defense is all about, like, if they can create pressure or not. Um they are second in the NFL in completion rate allowed, but are allowing just 7.4 yards per attempt. To me, there's been a difference once they got Joey Porter back in the kind of starting mix. Uh, that's an early second round pick. Uh, he's been a big difference maker for the Steelers just because the other corners that they were trotting out there have been really bad. So I think the Steelers defense is not the same one we're used to, probably closer to league average, but on the road. Uh, and Trevor Lawrence was already making fun of the terrible towels, which I think is a great take. Yeah. Like pretending you know to be scared of a towel is outrageous. I, I think that that quote was taken out of context. When you look and you watch the press conference, okay. he just described what the towel was. He said it was a little yellow towel. It is. And it was like, <laughs> and, it, and it is. I mean, literally, if you want to describe it, it is a small yellow towel. It's not like a bath towel or a beach right. towel. 
And he's like, yeah, I just can't wait to play there. It's like one off the off the list that I'm checking off. I There was no malice in that comment. I loved it. It was great. It was great. Joe Burrow's next. We have to move him to the next row. And the only reason why is, one, I'm excited actually for him to come back this week off the bye week. But it's against San Francisco's defense. Uh, they are five and a half point underdogs right now, I believe, and projected for less than 20 points. So that's why he's a tier below here. The team total just doesn't make sense to me in this one. Um, we'll see how like healthy he is. Good news, though, we had in, from this practice. He was completely off the injury report. Same thing with T. Higgins. And then you shared on Twitter as well that he was, what, taking under center snaps Huge. in practice. That just unlocks a whole different style of the playbook. The Bengals don't like really use this even when Joe Burrow is fully healthy, but having any answers to a defense like the 49ers certainly will be helpful. It's just Joe Burrow, they're projected for like 20 points. That's just not what we're used to uh, with this offense. Yeah, and just the under center stuff should impact Joe Mixon too if they do get goal line carries because he doesn't have to start six yards back. It can be much closer to the line of scrimmage. Right. And also, you don't have to be like 93% out of shotgun or whatever it's been yes. uh, over the last few weeks. I will add though, and obviously the narrative of the Bengals team this year has been all out of whack, but they have just 14 offensive plays that have gained 15 or more yards. That's the fewest in the NFL. The next closest is double that at 28 with the New York Jets. And San Francisco is already allowing the third fewest place of 15 or more yards this season. So something really has to change if the Bengals are going to create those explosive plays. And that kind of goes back to why also T. Higgins isn't hitting there. Because mm -hmm. if things have to be funneled and short, that's going to go in the direction of Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. And if they can't get anything 15 plus yards on the field, then probably T. Higgins isn't going to get his. I so. completely agree. Okay, we'll continue on with Kirk Cousins, Mr. S Monday Night. Yes, Mr. Monday Night, Kirk Cousins. Um, facing the Green Bay Packers defense. I mean, the last four games, talk about ping pong, quarterback 23, quarterback 9, quarterback 24, quarterback 7. So what are we getting here? I think we are going to see the Packers tempt Minnesota to run the ball just because the Packers defense is allowing the fourth highest neutral uh, run rates in the league. And I was looking back just in recent weeks, uh, the Vikings are running the ball just a little bit more without Justin Jefferson these last couple of weeks. But going back to last year when uh, O'Connell faced the Packers, he had a 44% and 50% neutral pass rates against them. I think Jordan Addison versus Jair Alexander is going to be a tough matchup for him individually. So I think it's just a tougher spot for Kirk to kind of get home and the betting markets agree. The Vikings team totals at 21 and a half right down the middle league average. Kirk obviously not going to run at all, but I want to keep him kind of in this mix because I still have a lot of respect for what Kirk cousins has been doing. I still don't understand why he gets clowned on social media to the degree. He does a fourth round pick out of Michigan state beats out a Heisman trophy winner, gets more contracts, still keeps bad teams in the playoff hunt and continues to ball out without Justin Jefferson and people still don't like him. I don't get it. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a good player, but just harder to get home on the road here. Kind of sounds like Hayden Wings is angling for a future show with Kirk Cousins on the Underdog Network. That's right. Or that we, we might need to play that. Uh, he had some like funny dance videos, like from back, oh. like in high school and stuff. We might, we might yeah. need to do a little dance show. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, 
bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. Sam Darnold. You heard that right. Quarterback 13 this week. That's the expectation with Brock Purdy popping up here on. It was a Wednesday with. Uh, a concussion-like symptoms. Kyle Shanahan's like, well, there's time for him to come off the list. Highly doubt it. We really haven't seen that this year. And if that's the case, your boy, the darn dog, uh, should be facing the Cincinnati Bengals defense as five and a half point favorites here or four and a half, something like that. The team total dropped like one and a half points from Purdy to Sam Darnold. So there's not that big of a difference according to the betting markets. And I don't think like there's anything that Purdy was doing that Sam Darnold can't do when it comes to the playbook really just comes down to can Sam Darnold, who has better tools than Brock actually do the just sit there and throw it where Shanahan wants to throw it point and shoot style offense. Can he do that? Cause if he can, I think that Sam Darnold's going to look pretty sweet here. The one difference though, Debo Samuel and Trent Williams still not practicing. They're probably going to be out here. So it is just George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. That's still plenty enough with Kyle Shanahan. You do have to get a little bit nervous that it is Lou Anarumo, one of the better defensive coordinators that could give Sam Darnold fits. But over the, like the last year, I thought Sam Darnold's looked the best that he has in the NFL, obviously a low bar to clear, but the Panther stuff looked pretty good. The preseason stuff has looked pretty good. Uh, so I think that the, my expectation is Sam Darnold will look more than fine. And I actually think he's going to run a little bit more. We know that Shanahan's been obsessed with trying to get some quarterback design stuff. He hasn't been able to do with Brock Purdy. Maybe we get a couple little zone reads out of Sam Darnold, and that could be the difference to kind of close that gap versus the normal expectations. And what we've seen with Purdy that's different than other 49ers quarterbacks in the Shanahan era is a willingness to attack outside the numbers and down the field. I think Darnold brings that to the table. Hell too. yeah. He definitely yeah. brings that to the table. I will add, though, your Lou Anarumo defense. Cincinnati has allowed more than 12 passing points in just one game so far this year. So he'll have to do more than that because I don't know how much of the mobile aspect we should expect here from Sam Darnold. Give me four carries, five carries, and I'll take okay. it. Just I, I will say the Bengals defense has been league average everywhere. Tenth against the pass, 25th against the run, 15th against fantasy quarterbacks. It's just not the same unit because they lost a lot of talent this last offseason. Um, and at least Darnold has the full week of practice at home. I just trust Shanahan. So as a Trojan, do you embrace Sam Darnold? Like, is he or is he on the fringe? No, of course I embrace him. That was I was oh. there when Sam Darnold was winning Rose Bowls, one of my favorite okay. football games of all time. So when I was at SC, Darnold was my quarterback. But like if he doesn't play well, then like, meh. 
You can just do you, do you think I care about these pro teams? No, I care about wow. how we did at USC and wow. USC. He was very good. Okay. Geno Smith is next for you. He is facing the Cleveland Browns defense. Uh, I will add, though, that the Seahawks are favored in this game. Does that change anything for you? It's a very tough matchup. There's just no way around it. Um, the Browns defense right now are doing a couple exceptional things. Uh, number one, their adjusted sack rate is the best in the league. That's what happens when you have Miles Garrett. They're forcing teams into pass or passing the ball at the lowest rate in neutral situations. I think that's because teams are uh, terrified of Miles Garrett and of Denzel Ward. And then even when teams are deciding to pass the ball against Cleveland, this chart was shocking to me again. Looking at the prayer targets, which are sideline targets, down the field, very low percentage targets, the Browns are forcing those at the highest rate in the league. There's no easy buttons against Cleveland. You're either running the ball against them, which is bad, or you're throwing the ball to the sideline and downfield with Denzel Ward in your hip pocket. So Geno Smith's got his hands full with this one. That said, he at least has DK Metcalf likely coming back. He was a full yep. practice participant on Wednesday. They definitely need him. The Seahawks team total is down to under 21 points, which is lower than they typically are at home. And I think that's completely justified. This defense is very good. Last week, they got exposed on a broken play, free play for, with Josh Downs. But I think for the most part, they held their own. Yeah, and a long Michael Pittman catch and run as well. Uh, and Richard Barr's worksheet, he points out that the Browns are playing man coverage at the highest rate in the NFL. We say that every single week. And so, so far this season, Geno Smith is actually last in the NFL with just 3.6 yards per attempt against man coverage. So something to watch for. Mm-hmm. Math? No. We're not doing math. We're doing Minshew next. <laughs> Gardner Minshew against the New Orleans Saints. I mean, Minshew was 9 of 13 for 197 yards and a touchdown against the aforementioned Cleveland Browns defense when they played man coverage and just 26 versus zone coverage this year. However, the Saints, a la that Cleveland Browns team, are playing man coverage at the fourth highest rate in the league. So maybe we get some more mania here in week eight. It's been mania, and I just had to look this up. Since 2020, he's had 15 starts over that time with three different teams. There were 71 quarterbacks that had at least four tar- or four starts over that span. Gardner Minshew is the quarterback 14 in fantasy points. So to me, wow. he is completely on the super flex radar at the very least. The Colts team total is actually quite high as well. Obviously, a lot of that is going to be because they they have two strong running backs, but they play with pace. They have their top five in fourth down aggressiveness. Gardner Minshew is not afraid to run it in the red zone. We saw that a couple times last week. He's not afraid to get into complete garbage time and throw up a bunch of prayers here. So it's not an easy matchup because the Saints defense has a lot of good pieces. But Gardner Minshew, for fantasy purposes, gets the job done. He, of course, is second highest in turnover-worthy play rate because, you know, he likes to throw (laughs) balls to linebackers on occasion. But... For fantasy purposes, we don't really care about that. Jordan Love is up next. Uh, Lots of Jordan Love defenders this week saying it's everyone else's problem in the Green Bay Packers in terms of play calling, in terms of people running routes in the same direction. Some of that might be true, and it it is true. But at the same time, when things are blocked for him 
and he needs an accurate pass. He's also only ahead of Kenny Pickett and Deshaun Watson and an accuracy rating so far this year. So like it's kind of to a point where in many occasions things have to be going well around Jordan Love for things to be going well for uh, the Green Bay Packers. Uh, right. And I think that's kind of a tough spot to be in after seven weeks of the season. I agree. You can point to any offense and say that this play design was bad. This person ran the wrong routes. Like every team deals with that. Jordan Love just brings on some pressure and throws the ball inaccurately. So I don't know. We're we're going to see if how healthy Aaron Jones and Christian Watson and their center. They they have injuries kind of everywhere. So we'll have to monitor the injury report. Um, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot from Jordan Love. Well, and it's the Brian Flores defense, which, you know, blitzes right. the highest rate in the NFL. So it's really on Jordan Love to check into protections, make sure that he's not taking ill-advised sacks and taking advantage of maybe the some some looks when things are blocked appropriately for him up front. Because there's going to be a handful of those plays per game. Well, maybe we really need to monitor the center. He was He didn't practice on Wednesday. Oh. That would be a big deal because it's the quarterback and center that iron everything out. Yep. Matthew Stafford is your quarterback 17, I believe, this week. I am actually starting Sam Darnold ahead of Matthew Stafford this week, facing the Dallas Cowboys, just 19 and a half implied points. And right. again, it frustrates me because he's been playing really well. But in fantasy football land, Matthew Stafford still doesn't have a top 12 scoring week on the season. Yeah, I believe he's the quarterback 20 per game, somewhere around there. So that's where I'm ranking him here. That's where they are in implied points. Obviously, playing in Dallas is not fun either. So it's just the game we're playing. Dallas leads the NFL in pressure rate, 50% of uh, dropbacks, which has been Stafford's you know biggest issue this year. He's completed just 39% of passes uh, when pressured for just 6.3 yards per attempt. Watch for it, Micah Parsons. Okay, let's go to tier four. We start the super flex category with uh, Desmond Ritter. Um, Arthur Smith had a quote either from this morning or yesterday when asked if there's been too much heat from the public on Desmond Ritter. My take is the first four weeks were dog crap for Desmond Ritter. Anyone who watches the game can tell you that. Um, he had an awesome, awesome game against the Houston Texans elevated his team to victory when they couldn't run the ball. The next two weeks were, I think, hit and miss, some ill-advised turnovers, both against the Commanders, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so, like, if you want to compartmentalize the last three weeks and say, hey, this is an upward trajectory, you can do that. But at the same time, we shouldn't just overlook the first four weeks of the season right. and don't point to that as being a reason why the public might think that Desmond Ritter's not playing well right now, too. I think the big difference is he was – turning down throws in the beginning part of the season. And recently he's at least giving his guys a chance out there. And even the last couple of weeks, there's been some inexcusable delay of games and also fumbles, fumbles interceptions, interceptions yeah. all of that stuff. So the next bit is to get rid of that stuff. Like if he gets sure. rid of that, then he can be a 20 ish quarterback in the NFL. Right. But what do third round quarterbacks typically right. do? Turn the ball over. So like that's kind of the expectation here. So he's been playing better. And it's actually we've seen that in the neutral pass rates as well. The Falcons are passing the ball a little bit more now than they were earlier in the season. It's hard to kind of detangle if that's because they like Ritter more or if that's because they like their run game a little bit less. But against Tennessee, we bring this up all the time, especially after Tennessee just traded away Kevin Byard. 
they're a huge pass funnel. They're 28th in passing EPA allowed. Offenses are choosing to pass the ball against them at top 10 rate. So I do think even with the team total down, only 19 points, not my favorite. I do think that Desmond Ritter is like a totally fine super flex option. Yeah, that's exactly why we wanted to spend some time on it because this is the matchup where Desmond Ritter's arm should hit and can hit if he has improved and progress and will continue that way. I will say, I didn't get to watch the game when we were doing the Sunday night instant reactions. I think probably these last three games have shown enough where he probably should be the start of the rest of the way, whereas the first four weeks, that was not a foregone conclusion at all. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to throw names up there from now on because we've hit this tier. Uh, Derek Carr, Bryce Young, and Kenny Pickett are the next three. Anything you want to say about those matchups? Well, we have post by rookie bump for Bryce and Please. a new offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. So I'm just curious to see what that's going to look like. There's obviously the CJ Stroud versus Bryce Young narratives going into this game. So that's just like an intriguing game to watch. This is ranked higher. Than just typical. quickly on that with the Texans, they're 30th in completion rate allowed. So they're allowing the opposing quarterbacks to complete 70% of their passes, but they're really good at stopping chunk gains and mm-hmm. stopping passing touchdowns on top of that. But like, even if we just get in a roll and get Bryce Young completing mm-hmm. 70% of his passes, I think that's like, again, progression here. I completely agree. And I think there's something into that as well. Teams are choosing to run the ball on the Texans defense at the third highest rate. So there's probably something schematically that D'Amico Ryans is doing. But Bryce Young should be able to move the chains consistently against them. With Derek Carr, uh, we'll get to the Taysom Hill stuff in a second. It's just so hard to kind of pinpoint Derek Carr actually having good games and offenses facing Indianapolis like to uh, run the ball at the second highest rate. And then with Kenny Pickett, I do think getting Deontay Johnson back is a big deal just because he's their easy button on offense. They have George Pickens uh, to dunk on people on occasion, but getting Deontay is a big deal to me. So I think the Steelers offense will only look better for the rest of the season after a miserable start, obviously. To that point, despite being four and two, and I keep on reminding myself, Myself, that's what the Steelers record is right now. Uh, Pittsburgh is averaging 4.3 yards per play on first and second downs this season. That is last in the NFL. I mean, you're just like digging yourself a hole into third downs there. Uh, and yeah, going back to the Gardner Minshew conversation here with Derek Carr, games with the featuring the Colts are averaging a league high 137 combined plays per game. And we just got play games with Derek Carr passing the ball 50 and 55 attempts. So... More Derek Carr in our lives this week, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then just, you know, Russell Wilson and Sam Howell close this one out. Uh, quickly on Sam Howell, back-to-back weeks where his season-low completion rate has dropped even more. And the last time, I believe, that these teams played with the Commanders and the Eagles, uh, he had 40 rushing yards in that game, which was the season high. And ever since, he's not had more than 19 rushing yards in any game so far this year. <laughs> My question is, how many sacks is he going to take? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair to wonder. Okay, let's go to tight ends. The top four in that category, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Sam Laporta, TJ Hawkinson. These are the four players right now that are above 10 fancy points, um, and they should stay here until further notice. I didn't have like many great notes here, except yep. Sam Laporta is the rookie tight end three, tight end three all time through the first seven games <laughs> of his NFL career as well. So yeah, the rock solid across the board for, for these four. Okay. Next up, we're back, baby. Darren Waller as tight end five, 
I think you put this, especially with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, this is against the New York Jets defense, a Jets defense that has, you know, CJ Mosley and Quinn Williams, Quincy Williams, I should say. I was going to say Quinn Williams' brother, but Quincy Williams uh, at linebacker. But what we've seen with Darren Waller is like intermediate, slightly more downfield, right. some more red zone targets too. It's kind of exactly what we hope for in drafting Darren Waller as a top five tight end. The early part of the year, he was dealing with all those injuries and new offense on top of that. The last three games, this is from Fantasy Points' Graham Barfield. His first read target share is at 42%, 29%, 33%. I've seen him used all over the field, winning on different types of routes. That's been the difference. He's had three straight games of at least 10 expected half PPR points. The big problem, of course, as always, the Giants projected for the second fewest amount of points this week. Two brothers right next to each other in uh, Dallas Goddard and George Kittle. I say that in you could have a massive week from them or you could have very little in terms of their involvement despite them being in great offenses. George Kittle was kind of featured last week because obviously Debo Samuel missed, but we're kind of expecting Debo Samuel to be back here. I was that sure questionable? Yeah, I'm not sure if Debo is going to come back no? this game. He was he did, at least didn't practice on Wednesday. It's probably still TBD. Um, I did look into this, uh, at least for this year, when Debo's been off the field, George Kittle's target share is 21%. When Debo Samuel's on the field, also 21%. So uh, the, the clear winner recently has just been Juwan Jennings gets more targets without Debo. Um, it also coincides with Trent Williams missing some time as well. But I think with these two, they're, are they scoring a touch, touchdown or not? Because they're just not going to get the same pathways to volume. Quickly on Dallas Goddard, first of all, the team total is very high, as always with Philadelphia. The commanders have also allowed at least 10 PPR points to Cole Komet, Kyle Pitts, Johnny Smith, and Darren Waller in their last three games. So that's four different tight ends breaking that double-digit mark. Dalton Kincaid is next. We spoke at length about Dalton Kincaid in Stats versus Film. Hopefully you tuned into that episode. Dawson Knox is going to miss this game. Dalton Kincaid is now going to be the featured tight end out there in every single set, two tight ends, 11 personnel, all of it. Uh, he has some flaws to his game, not as good as a blocker as Dawson Knox. Uh, not great versus man coverage right now, but he's so adept at sitting in soft zones. And then I actually think he kind of turns and runs after the catch, kind of like Jackson Smith and Jigba a little bit in terms yeah, of a little the bit. wasted movement. Mm-hmm. Um, this should be a launch pad for Don Kincaid to have a much better second half of his rookie season. I did some quick back of the uh, napkin math here. If his routes go up to like 90%, they were at 60%. And his targets per route run is at 16% right now. If that kind of stays true, then he should see six, seven, eight targets per game. And this offense is obviously elite. And then especially this week, the Buccaneers are a pass funnel. Now they do have some decent linebackers and safeties, but I just, I'm curious to see how much Dalton Kincaid is going to be used, not just as a check and release route runner, but actually running seam routes, option routes, and all that stuff. I've seen it on, he can do it. Yeah. It's been like six reps. You know, the, the other part of that is Todd Bowles loves to send heat, especially on third downs, right? Loves to mix and match coverages. Right. Um, in that, Don Kincaid will probably be ISO'd, locked in man on man. And if that's the case, he needs to kind of win that. He needs to win his isolated matchup in those. I think he's capable, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Final of the top 10, Kyle Pitts and uh, Evan Ingram. Anything you want to say about those two? 
I looked at just the percentage of the targets that are deemed contested catches or contested tar- targets per PFF, and it's just hilarious to see Dalton Kincaid. Only four percent of his Boom. targets are, are contested because he sits down underneath in zone coverage. Kyle Pitts, the exact opposite, league high twenty nine percent, and that's because he's winning downfield. There's some missed throws going back to Desmond Ritter on top of that, but it's just the total opposites when it comes to a, to me, Dalton Kincaid should be a very more Evan Ingram type of tight end, good offense, sit underneath, move the chains, consistent volume. And then Kyle Pitts on the other hand, will go up and down. Um, I didn't know why Kyle Pitts wasn't a full-time player last week. Um, but uh, I think that will kind of even it out. It's just kind of funny to see Dalton Kincaid and Kyle Pitts next to each other in my rankings but winning completely opposite. All right, I'm just going to throw 11 through 16 up there. You have Dalton Schultz, who is getting more and more involved, and especially if Robert Woods misses this game, he could kind of fill in that three plus four pass catcher, let's put it that way, over the middle of the field. Jake Ferguson, Trey McBride filling in as now the starter instead of Zach Ertz. And you have Gerald Everett, and I believe Jonu Smith here to fill out mm-hmm. 16. So Dalton Schultz over the last month, he's been the tight end three on tight end three usage. He is their safety net underneath. Like we mentioned with CJ Stroud, this team's throwing the ball over the middle at the highest rate in the league. That's obviously going to help their tight end and Texans are now top 10 in projected points. So I think that's warranted Jake Ferguson tight end 11 in targets per game, the tight end one in inside the 10 yard, Ted yard line targets per game. Hopefully, we just actually get the regression that he's due for this week against the Rams, who are seventh worst against fantasy tight ends. But I think the big storyline here is Trey McBride, um, second rounder from last season. He came on to the year late uh, after um, Zach Ertz missed late last season. In his five games with 80% or more of the snaps, He's averaged 40 yards, which gets him right on that tight end one-two conversation. It's obviously harder for McBride to score a touchdown because the Cardinals offense. But I don't know how this has happened. I'm not sure if this is an accounting error, whatever it is. But Trey McBride right now is a tight end three in yards per route run. I haven't seen a single highlight tape of his yet um, to, to warrant that. But the reality is he's going to be a full-time player in an offense that needs to see what their young players have. And that's what Trey McBride is right now. Okay, we'll close it out. Taysom Hill. Cole Komet, Logan Thomas, and uh, and Luke Musgrave. I mean, there's a ton of people to get the football to in Green Bay. I just think like at some point, and maybe this is just our bias showing, like Luke Musgrave will get a bit more involved, but who knows? Um, and then Taysom Hill, we have still seen this slot tight end work over the last two weeks. And while that wasn't there in the opening four games of the season, it has been consistent over the last two. And if that's the case... Like that puts him more involved than a bunch of other tight ends across the league. Big difference. They are expected to get Juwan Johnson back this week. So I did lower it just to show you um, Taysom Hill is averaging 26 routes without Juwan Johnson. That was only eight early in the year when Juwan Johnson's out there. And then Taysom Hill is averaging only three carries per game with Kamara back. That was up to five carries, lots of red zone carries with out Kamara earlier in the season. So I think his package is going to suffer some shrinkage here. So I didn't move him down to the tight end 17. Then Luke Musgrave, my guy hasn't practiced with ankle injuries uh, this week off of that dirty hit that you mentioned from Kareem Jackson. So tough spot. Okay. That's it. Other than dare I forget. 
the sickos and defenses because the comments would eviscerate me. Look at Hayden telling you to go get the Jets, go and get the Eagles, the Chargers defense. So what could go wrong here, Hayden? Lots of things can go wrong here, of course, but we don't lie on the sicko defenses. Uh, The Chargers face the Bears. We have the Seahawks, another good streaming option against P.J. Walker. The Ravens against Arizona. I'm sure a lot of people already have them, but obviously if the Jets are out there against Tyrod Taylor and company, they're the ones to pick up, in my opinion. Okay, that does it. People, you know where to find Hayden's rankings. They are over in the description down below. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button. It's just like a little click away. We'll be back here on Friday for a bunch of wide receivers. And then back on Sunday morning for our start sit show. I believe, Hayden, there's a Germany game this weekend. Is that correct? It's something. It's something. It's so, always something. So uh, that's going to be difficult to compete with. But we'll do it. Uh, I will say I wrote a quick column here on just NFL trade line trade deadline is approaching. We'll see if we can get players like Derrick Henry or Hunter Renfro or Jacoby Brissett, maybe someone like Darnell Mooney or Jerry Judy, maybe Marquise Brown traded. I have a column on that. Just trades just don't happen. It's always only in fantasy. We've just pointed out to me. This is why he's the great producer. There is no 930 a.m. game this Sunday. So you have no other excuse other than to join us mm-hmm. this Sunday morning, question and answer. Maybe by then I will not be sick. Um, every team, every single player is in the boat and potentially on your fantasy rosters this week. So lots of starts at questions to answer, and we'll be here ahead of kickoff. All right. For Hayden, for Producer Weiss, I am Josh up the villa. We will talk to you all soon. See ya.